Hey everybody, Ray Bram here. Welcome to the podcast that will help you increase the income and influence of your book beyond royalties. Book Profit Secrets with Ray Bram starts now. Hey everybody, Ray Brem here. Welcome back to another amazing session. I'm with Danielle Jervy Harmon, an award-winning CEO that's moving entrepreneurs to millions. Welcome, Danielle. Hello, Ray. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. And just to get start us off, what's give us a thirty thousand foot view of how you got to where you are today? Yeah. Oh gosh, that's like such a loaded question. How did I get to where I am today? Making a decision, first and foremost, deciding that I was going to be an entrepreneur, deciding that I was going to be successful and that nothing was going to stop me. That would probably be the biggest thing. And then showing up consistently, showing up fully and showing up consistently, doing the work that must be done while also taking the time necessary for myself to rest and reflect because you can't pour overflow from an empty cup. And you've got, uh, you know, I was doing a little shopping on your site and you've got everything from clothing cl- clothing to <laughs> books to courses and of course your your high ticket programs what's the what did you start with yeah i started with none of that <laughs> <laughs> when i first started my company i was just a motivational speaker. And I always tell people don't use that word just because it's a disqualifier. But the only thing I had to offer was my very first book and my ability to get on the stage and move the crowd. That was all I had. Over the years, I realized that just speaking wasn't longevity. Like it wasn't sustainable. It required me to work really hard to always get that next gig. And so then I started to develop coaching programs and information products that teach people what I had learned and what I knew. And so we kind of expanded our portfolio, if you will. And then a few years ago, we actually streamlined it and we came back in and really honed in on what it is that we want to do and how, who we want to serve in the marketplace. And what was that process like? Was it, are you're now 80, 90% coaching or? Yeah. So how did you make that coaching decision? and live events is almost all we do. So I would definitely say probably 85% between coaching and, and live events. We do have a few home study courses for people who want to learn our methodologies and our frameworks, but you know, either aren't in a position to make the level of investment that is required to have my team work directly with you or want the ability to kind of go at their own pace. And then we do have, as you notice, we have some merchandise. We have you know, a planner, which is in the background there, I guess I should do over that way. And some other really, really cool business girl tools that we bring to the table. So once we decided that we really wanted to go all in on working with entrepreneurs, small business owners, um, and experts that are providing a service at the six figure mark and help them to get to the million dollar mark, that really helped us to streamline. But prior to that, it was really, we were taking what we could get, which I believe today is a lack mindset. When you have too many things that you offer to the marketplace, you actually are demonstrating that you don't believe in your real offer. And so we decided to you know, follow our own advice and to create a very streamlined offer suite of what it is that we have to bring to the table, but also recognizing that there are people in your audience at different levels. And as a result of that, we do offer some of those home study courses or digital courses. So that's it. And and would you recommend that to some people that are just starting out getting focused on one thing? Because it's that's the person the entrepreneur is like, oh, that looks cool. I should do that, too. Yeah, I think that there is no such thing as just starting out. 
and that anyone who is just starting out needs to remove that from their vocabulary. Whatever it is that you're doing, you're solving a problem based on experience and expertise that you've had for a very long time. You might only be, for the very first time, taking money directly into your own company to perform that service, but you're not brand new to it, so you shouldn't act like it. And I also think that we do ourselves a disservice by having what I call a wide business model. A wide business model is when you have something in every price range. Instead, hone in on who you really want to serve. Now, I'm making it sound way easier than it really is. It did not work that way for me. It took me many years to get the confidence and the courage to hone in on who I really wanted to serve. And I want you to learn from my mistakes. So if you know exactly who you are and what you bring to the table, start with offering that. And don't tell yourself that because you're brand new, you have to undercharge for it or it has to be low ticket. I believe that um, entrepreneurs that can make move and leave millions, they start at the top of the market, not at the bottom. It's, it's interesting. Um, one of the guys I got to spend some time with Frank Kern, that's exactly what he did. He said, I had to stop serving the entry level. That's just, I, Mm -hmm. you know, that didn't fit my personality, my mode. And it it sounds exactly the same here. So, and, and I, you know, you, you, we talked a little offline, but there's this, this exercise you go through where you kind of show how we are, that we're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unconquerable as children. Mm-hmm. And then we have to learn these habits that kind of restrict us or, or keep us down. Uh, can you share a little bit about that with us? Sure. Um, so what Ray is referring to is the fact that when we're born, we're born as abundant vessels of light. We literally come into the earth realm as abundance. And then we're taken home and we meet our families and our families While I believe that they do the best that they could with what they have, they introduce us to lack and to fear. They make us call into question our worth and our worthiness. And we grow into adults who question our worth and our worthiness. And so in in one of my videos, I actually have a, a demonstration that I do where I start with this vase of water. And then as we are introduced to fear and to lack and to struggle and overwhelm and all of the things that plague us inside of our businesses that keep us from having businesses that serve us financially and spiritually, our, our water, our vase gets cloudy. And we're trying to build a business that is solid and thriving and produces income for ourselves and our family, legacy for our children's children, and employs other people from a cloudy vessel. Who we are becomes cloudy because we're led to believe that fear is actually... Your ego is trying to keep you safe and you should see any fear and stop what you're doing. No, fear is just an indication that your next level is present. And so anyway, our vessel gets cloudy. And so I use um, a a substance, I can't even tell you what it is off the top of my head, that um, makes the water dark. And then I, I switch to what happens when you get the right coach or mentor that really helps you see yourself as the abundant vessel that you were born to to be and we start pouring bleach in and it changes the water back to clear and so we're born as a clear vessel our vessel gets cloudy but when we get coaching and consulting support to take our lives and the businesses to the next level all of the fear and the lack that we learned intangibly as we were growing up just by watching what our parents were doing it begins to dissipate and what emerges is the abundant vessel that we were always created to be and when we start building our businesses from that place, that is the place where we truly transform lives 
lives where we transform our checking account balances and we set ourselves on a trajectory to leave a massive legacy to our families. Yeah. You know, last summer I had to go get a, we got a flat on our truck and Mm -hmm. I go into the tire shop and it was kind of like, Hey, the guy was trying to sell me the cheapest tire. I bought the most expensive one because that's I just instinctively trust that the most. And mm-hmm. I think that was a, to me, that was a metaphor. What you just said is that you're share what your value is, not what you perceive other people perceive your value okay. is because that's, you're the only one who thinks that way. Absolutely. And like, I think that most people believe they get what they pay for. So even in your instance, Ray, with the tire, right, you could buy the cheapest tire, but Something told you that the cheapest tire is probably going to have you back in this store sooner than you want to be solving the same problem you're trying to solve now. But the the thought in your mind, and this is the thought in most consumers' minds, is that if I invest more, I'm getting a better quality product that is going to solve my problem for a longer period of time. And so when we realize that, it, it makes a difference in the way that we show up, the energy that we use, how we take our book or whatever we first created to enter the marketplace and turn it into something that's going to be able to solve people's problems for a very long time. I um, was recently having a conversation with one of my clients who I've been working with now for going on three years. And he made a statement that some of the things that I've taught him, is go- they're going to make him money for the next 50 years. Right. And so when you think about the investments that we make in, in race case, we're talking about a tire. But in your case, you know, as an author who has a desire to really help people go to the next level, you're probably going to introduce some coaching or some consulting or some training and development that goes along with you put inside of your book as you do so. Think about the value that's associated with what you're going to teach them or how you're going to solve their problem and how that value is going to show up for them over the next five to 10 years and base your price on that, not what you think it costs today in order to solve the problem. Like they're not hiring you based on your time. Like no one cares about your time. Like I I love to tell this story, Ray. There's a, a manufacturing company whose machinery went down. The machinery produced the equivalent of $2 million a day. It was down for a few hours. They called in the in-house tech. The in-house tech couldn't solve the problem. So they decided to call in an expert. The expert walks in twirling a a hammer in his arms. The manager takes the expert to the machine and says, okay, well, you can leave me. The expert is back with the machine for five minutes before the manager gets excited because he hears the machine running. He runs back to where the the expert is and says, oh my goodness, you got it working. He's like, oh yeah, I knew exactly what to do. I see this problem all the time. Then the expert hands the manager a bill. It's for $1 million. The manager says, but wait, you were only with the machine for five minutes. The expert says, but you didn't pay me for my time. You pay me to get your machine working so that you could actually produce your $2 million worth today. So why? what am I saying and why did I say that? Because no one cares about the amount of time you spend. They care about the solution you could provide for them to the problem that they've been unsuccessful at solving on their own. So you want to price it based on the fact that you can solve a problem and not how much time it takes you. Biggest mistake we can make, and I see people who are newer, who think they, they're just getting started, make that mistake. And it elongates the amount of time it takes for them to get their business to six figures so that they can actually get on a trajectory to seven. Yeah, I think you're talking about me because that's the way I was in the beginning. <laughs> you know, just uh, listen, like... I'm talking about me too, Ray. <laughs> I was the same exact way. Like, I think when you come out of having a job, whether that's in you know public or private sector, you're paid by the hour. 
Your whole worth as an employee is assigned by someone else at an hourly rate. And so we think, I thought I was an, you know, I'm now an entrepreneur. I'm, I think my salary was probably 50 or $60 an hour. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to charge $150 an hour. That sounds like a lot of money until you realize you're now self-employed and you have self-employment tax, which is 15%, in addition to all of the other things that you have to be concerned about. And so you realize quickly that an employee's mindset is by the hour, but an entrepreneur's mindset is by the solution. That's a great point. And so from on that point, do you, I, I see that you do on your website, you curate people before they even are getting in touch. Like you, there's a, you know, this is not for you if you're just starting out We're we work with six figure and above, do, you know, do you recommend people curate like that? Because if you get somebody that wants to buy from you and they've got that employee mindset, uh, you know, they're judging it by your, t- I mean, I had that a mm-hmm. uh, cu- couple years ago and I just refunded the guy right away. It was multiple, f- you know, f- four figures, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I said, forget it. I, uh, he, he asked me how long it was going to take me. And I said, it's going to take <laughs> as long as it takes, as as it takes I, right. <laughs> 10 years to learn it, you know, right. it took me 10 years. So Yeah. I think that, you know, yes. Should you curate who you want to serve? Absolutely. Now, if you're trying to figure it out, then cast a wide net. But once you get clear about who you want to serve and the problem, you are the absolute best at solving drill down and don't waste people's time, right? Let people know there are tons of people in the world who have the problem you solve. And there are tons of people at every level, right? I always like to use the example of a car. There are Kias on the road with Bentleys and Maseratis. They both technically do the same thing, but each vehicle is for a different type of audience. Well, the same is true about the work that you do and the other people in your industry who do the same work. If you know who you want to serve, do yourself a favor and don't serve the other people. Now, it took me years. I've been in business for 14 years. I've been successful in business for 11 to get to the point where I could definitively say that I worked with people who were at the six-figure mark. And I didn't start out working with people at six figures. When I was making no figures, I worked with people who were making no figures. And as I progressed and my learning impressed, I changed who I worked with. Now, as I'm a multi seven figure business, I'm working with entrepreneurs and experts to get them to the seven figure mark. So it was a progression. Feel free to to start with a wide net if you need to get that level of clarity because it could take time. I say all the time, right? No one goes to bed a blunder and wakes up a wonder. You're no different. You're probably not going to have it figured out. And what you thought you wanted to do, if you are newer in the process and just getting started offering a service to the marketplace, what you thought you wanted to do may not end up being what it is that you actually want to do. I feel like every few years we make changes to our packages and our programs because we've decided that we're either evolving and we don't want to serve that audience anymore or what we once thought was a good idea is not actually a good idea for where we are right now in our business. You want to give yourself that flexibility. And the thing is like, you don't have to have it all figured out on day one, but you have to get started. I forget the saying, the saying is something like, you don't have to be good to get, I'm going to jack it all up. But the gist of it is you got to get started to get good, right? Oh, you, you don't have to be good when you start, but you have to get started to get good. So just get started moving in the direction of what it is that you want, leveraging your skills, your talents, your expertise, and your gifts on behalf of the problem. So you want to be able to take what it is that you do well and associate it with a problem that somebody else would be willing to pay to get a solution to. That's the most important thing. We call that the universal law of business. I had to write down that quote because I love quotes along those lines. My kind of mantra is I've got to get to my second try as soon as possible. 
mm, because I, like I, I don't, you know, you, you just said it, you don't know what you don't know. And in fact, I did a major shift two years ago to virtual summits mm-hmm. just based on that. And it was just based on trying things. And mm-hmm. so I think that's, that's key, you know, as far as how, how do people come into your world? What you, you know, right, what, right now, what's the, is it all things equal social media, your books, your. Yeah. Girls? I mean, I, like whenever people ask me this question, I always send people to get to know Darnielle.com. That's a link tree. So there's lots of different links there. You can watch my docuseries, as Ray mentioned earlier. You can buy my books. You can buy my planner. Like everything that we have to offer, all of the various people who want to figure out how to deepen their connection with us are all right there on get to know Darnielle.com. And and that's and so for for those that are starting you know, they, they, they can't get all those pieces together in the, from the beginning. Um, they've got a book. What are some of the things you've seen work for people to get, get moving and, and also get an idea of what they want to do? Yeah. So I would say number one. So if you've written a book, what did you write your, write your book about? Now, even when your book is about your life story, your life story needs to be resonant with an intended audience and present them with a solution to a problem that they also see themselves having, right? I wouldn't recommend that anyone write their life story for the sake of writing their life story. And I mean this as lovingly as I can say it, but who cares? We all have a story, right? Your story has to make a difference for me so that I can actually want to pick it up if I see it inside of a bookstore. So I would say the first thing is, you know, now that you've written your book, what is it about your book or about your journey that could solve a problem for someone else. There are six categories that problems fall into. You want to make sure that you can solve one of them. The first is identity and purpose. If you can help somebody figure out why they're here, what their purpose is, they will happily give you their money. The second is love, communication, and relationships. If you can help people fix their relationship challenges and their communication challenges, they'll give you money. The third is money, career, and business. You can help them make more money, go to the next level in their career, they're in um, time and life balance. If you can give people back more time, it's the one thing that none of us, we can't buy more time, right? So if you can show somebody how to use their time more effectively, people will give you their hard earned money. Um, and then we have happiness and fulfillment. I feel like, oh, and mental health, health and wellness and mental health is the last one. Let me repeat them because that was kind of disjointed. Um, identity and purpose, love, communication and relationships, health, mental health and wellness, money, career and business time and life balance, happiness and fulfillment. If you solve a problem that fits into one of those six categories, then people will pay you their hard-earned money if you present yourself as a solution to their problem in that particular category. So that's the second thing that I would tell you to do is get clear about which category you fall into. Third thing is figure out how you can best solve that problem. So what do you have to offer the person who has that particular problem? Formulate that into an offering and package it in a way that shows them that you can solve their problem. Here's a spoiler alert. Your package doesn't have to include a lot of your time. It just needs to include the solution to the problem. So don't feel like, especially if you're coming into the coaching space, don't feel like in order to solve their problem, you have to talk to them every single week. You don't necessarily have to. There are probably some instances where you do, but validate that whatever you put inside of your offer is actually necessary to get them to the transformation that you alone can provide for them based on the problem that they have and the solution you provide. I think if you follow those three steps and then from there, 
get consistent in the marketplace about speaking about that problem and your solution, you'll have a really good trajectory to get that book into turning it into more. Because I believe that a book is an expensive business card. We write the book to open the doors, to put us in front of the clients that we can actually solve their problem with our other products and services. I I think one other thing I want to point out is you mentioned earlier that you were, you've been in business 14 years, successful for 11. So there was three years there you were getting moving. And I think, you know, people, whatever, whoever created the myth, you know, you create your book, you're going to make passive income or, you know, become independently wealthy on royalties. Or if you go on the internet, that's an overnight business to start without any kind of, you know, blood, sweat and tears investment like you normally do. But people pay, as far as coaching goes, people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy franchises. Right. And so I think we've gotten, you know, you get at the internet and you're like, well, everything should be free and I should be a success overnight. No, no. And yeah, no. I mean, what's the saying? It takes 15 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. My first three years, I didn't know what in the world I was doing. I was fresh out of being an employee and I failed. I filed bankruptcy. I went back to work. I did it all wrong. (laughs) And I'm happy and grateful for that time at the same time because I learned some very valuable lessons. I learned how to turn my quote unquote failures into feedback so I can make different decisions and put myself in a a different place. When I, I worked a job for two years after I left my corporate career, while I was working that job for two years, I moonlit. I figured out what I didn't know about business so that when I came back into my business full time, I could get it quickly to six figures and then within three years, get it to seven figures. But it took time. So you have to be willing to give yourself that time. There's no such thing as an overnight success. Or again, the average overnight success takes 15 years. <laughs> well put. And I, that's, I, I just like the to cap it off at that because everybody's struggling to think, well, it must be me. I'm not gonna, I'm not worthy of doing this. And the fact of the matter is, no, you just got, you got to work at it. Like yeah. everybody. And has. you are worthy, but even right. the worthy have to show up fully and take consistent action. Your worth has nothing to do with what you receive as a result of your business. You were born worthy. You came here as abundance and light. That should never be in question. But just because you're worthy doesn't mean that there's an entitlement that goes along with it. Everybody still has to show up and do the work. We got to show up and do the work. It's not, nothing's easy. Nothing's free. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we didn't, but if we, if <laughs> then we everybody didn't show would. up and do the work, everybody would be doing it and everybody would be successful, but that's and not then, who we are. That's not where we live. It's going to cost time. a little to go up for everybody. And then we'd right. all be at the same spot anyway. Right. Danielle, thank you very much. It's been amazing. What's, if this resonated with uh, with everybody, you said to go to get to know Darnielle.com. Get to know Darnielle.com. Okay. And check out the docuseries. I'm already hooked. The heck with Netflix. I'm watching it. There's a, <laughs> it's it's a it's real behind the scenes and very powerful. Darnielle, thanks so much. And everybody, thanks for joining us. And we will see you on the next session. Take care. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me on this episode of Book Profit Secrets. You know, Abraham Lincoln once said if he had six hours to chop down a tree, he would spend the first four sharpening his axe. That's what this podcast is meant to do. That's also what we do on our site, our companion site, Ray.fm. So check us out there and sharpen your axe, increase your influence, income, and audience. And we'll see you next time.